This is Three Valleys Radio. Welcome to the Racing Show. My name's Adie Hopper, and we'll have all our usual guests this evening. Jockeys, trainers, tipsters, they're all here. We'll have a look back on the Shergar Cup. And look forward to the Judmont International. It's all here on The Racing Show. Well, good evening and welcome to The Racing Show. We hope you're going to enjoy the show tonight. We hope we've got a few winners for you as well. So stay tuned for Colin Brown and Dave Wilson's tips later on in the show. But in the meantime, let's get started, as we usually do, with all the racing news with Mike Patton. Hello and a very warm welcome along to this week's edition of the Racing News. With all the news, that is the news across the racing media, including Racing TV, The Racing Post and The Sporting Life. I'm Mike Padden, and here's our first story. John Ryan might not be getting a call-up for the new Premier League season, but despite clutching a pair of crutches, he was dancing with delight after Manacan struck in the dash. Ridden by Shergar Cup Queen Hayley Turner, the well-thought-of three-year-old is owned by Graham Smith-Bernal and was putting a huge grin on the trainer's face. He said, I had a knee-op on Friday last week, and, touch wood, it's gone smoothly. But I'm probably not supposed to be racing and in the bar this soon. Well, I dare say I'll be in that bar in a minute, though. I'm delighted for Graham, who has supported me well and sent a couple of nice horses my way. If the ground stays quick, the world is this horse's oyster. And with a headline of Haggis Red Hot, here's our next story. William Haggis is not always in attendance when he has runners, but Jote Ascot was closer than Haydock, and six runners on the card meant he probably had to, quote, pull his finger out. So it is a good job he was rewarded with three winners. His afternoon got off to a bright start when Joanna Mason guided Ammon Zoe to victory in the one-mile two-furlong classified stakes. He said, The horse won very nicely and Joe gave her the perfect ride. One of the reasons this event is so successful is it gives everyone a chance. It's a terrific global event, and Joe proved that given the right ammunition, she is as good as anyone. Ammon Zoe was bred in part by the late Lester Piggott, whose daughter Maureen is married to Haggis. The new market trainer added, This horse is a sister to Rivet, who won at what was the Racing Post Trophy, and it's been a very good family to us. Maureen's father bred her with Coolmore and Descott, so it's nice to win, and we're lucky to have her. She's a nice filly. Pride of Priory made Haggis's trip even more worthwhile when winning the challenge before Hamaki landed the classic under an inspired Jamie Spencer ride. That was a great ride, said Haggis. I'd hoped we'd have a good afternoon, because they were all shortish in the betting, 
and it's been a good day. And with the headline, Orban doubles up, here's our next story. Neil Callan's day got off to the perfect start thanks to Orban, who won the Golden Mile at Glorious Goodwood last week and followed up here in the seven furlong classified stakes. Callan said, when I saw the draw come out, I thought, yeah, at least I've got one who can win. Orban was in the green colours of the Great Britain and Ireland team, but his owner Jimmy Chua was on hand to celebrate the success. That was amazing, said Chua, who has been an owner for more than 20 years and is in the food wholesale trade. He said, we waited two years for him to win and now he's won twice in two weeks. And next up here on the Racing News, we take a look at Saturday's Keeneland Phoenix Stakes at Carrar. Little Big Bear produced a scintillating performance to give Aidan O'Brien his 17th victory in the Keeneland Phoenix Stakes, but little did we know until the race was over how touch-and-go the Colts' participation was. O'Brien said, We had a little bit of a scare with him before the race. After coming up here, he kicked a wall and the clip of his shoe went into his hind foot, so he was a bit tender when we put the shoe back on him. But thanks to John Halley, that's the Cornwall vet, and Lynn Hillier, the IHRB chief veterinary officer, they discussed it and they were happy to let him run. It was one of those things, and it could have easily gone the other way. So my thanks to everyone for letting it happen. For humans, it might be the equivalent of pulling off a fingernail, so we we are very appreciative. It almost makes one think how far he would have won had his preparation on the day gone without a hitch. Ryan Moore was happy to let him dominate from the front, and the chasing group closed to challenge over a furlong out, but when Moore asked him a question, he quick and clear in a few strides. He stretched right away to beat Persian force by seven lengths, with railway stakes winner Shartash staying on third a further half-length away. Another length back in fourth was the previously unbeaten Coventry Stakes winner Bradsell, the 11-8 favourite, who stumbled coming out of the stalls and never got into the race. Little Big Bear, a son of No Name Never, was following up victories in the Windsor Castle Stakes at Royal Ascot and the Anglesey Stakes here. But those performances paled into near insignificance compared with this, and Paddy Power were quick to cut him to 5-1 to one favouritism for the 2023 Kipco 2000 Guineas. O'Brien said, Ryan gave him a great ride. He is a very powerful horse with a lot of speed. Ryan said, when he let him go, the race was over. He has been progressing lovely with every run, and everything had gone smoothly since his last run here. It was a very deep race today, but the closer the race got, the more worried we were after what had happened to him. But he has serious class. I can't recall any winner we have had of this race winning like that. From day one we thought he was very special. He has serious power. We thought going to Ascot that we would get away with running him over five furlongs and we were very confident after that going six furlongs with him. Looking at that, he would have no trouble staying seven furlongs even though he has so much speed and travels so strong. He could go to the pre-morning and he could go to the middle park. He could even go for the Nunthorpe. The rest of the field were reduced to bit players having looked a serious bunch beforehand. 
runner-up Persian Force ran perfectly respectably and turned the Coventry Stakes tables around with Bradsell. Ryder Ross Orion said, Turning the Coventry form around was something we thought we might do. He has improved and he is a good horse in his own right, but the winner is clearly very good and a step above everything else. Ross Orion continued, I jumped OK and Ryan decided to go forward. I would have led if nothing else wanted to, but I was happy with that. We turn on the gallop a long way out, and I came up to him inside the two, but he just went on again. Fair play to him, he's a good horse. Apart from the winner, one horse that probably did enhance his reputation was the third home Shartash, despite having won the railway stakes on his last start. He came home really well and was closing on the runner-up all the way to the line under Ben Cohen. Trainer Johnny Murtar said, Ben said he was travelling well, but then the first two quickened up. But when he got his second wind, he said he was delighted with the way he stayed to the line. If there was another furlong today, I think he would have been second. So we'll stick to the plan and probably go for the national stakes. And next up, here on the Racing News, we'll look at Newmarket on Saturday. The Gallup Racing Syndicate celebrated their biggest day in the sport when Lakota Sioux recorded a game triumph in the feature Group 3 Sweet Solera Stakes. The Seven Furlong Contest has a bar of the same name on the July course where many of the 10-strong Yorkshire-based group and their partners headed to toast the success of the Charlie and Mark Johnston trained filly. James Doyle was seen to good effect on the 100-30 chance, who ran on well coming out of the dip, despite her tail spinning around like a fan in the closing stages to account for dandy alleys. Lakota Sioux was given an opening quote of 33-1 to for next year's 1,000 guineas by Paddy Power, after extending the Johnson Stables' recent good run with their juvenile fillies. Syndicate organiser Richard Walker said, We're in dreamland. We've only had handicappers in the past, such as Firmament, who has recently been retired, and our biggest win before this was the Clipper Logistics handicap at York. James said not to be in a rush to go a mile just yet, and she's in the Moyglare stud stakes in Ireland. And Charlie Johnston said, This has been the plan since we finished third in the Chesham at Royal Ascot, and it's great for the owners that it's come off. We came here as we had to keep her and our other filly dance in the grass apart. The feature win brought up a treble for the Johnstons, following victories for Killybeg's Warrior under Doyle in the Seven Furlong Nursery and Madame Ambassador, who defied top weight in the One Mile Four Furlong Handicap under Richard Kingscott. Doyle completed his own treble when steering home Bay of Honour for Charlie Appleby and the closing mile handicap for three-year-olds. And with the headline of Diamond Sparkles, here's our final story on this week's racing news. Bright Diamond lived up to her name when posting a sparkling nine-length triumph on her debut in the seven-furlong maiden Phyllis Stakes on the July course to earn a quote of 25-1 to 1 from Paddy Power for next year's Kipco 1000 guineas. On Superhero Race Day, Clifford Lee looked more like a villain in the early stages when last and going nowhere on the Carl Burke train newcomer. 
But the picture changed dramatically, heading out of the dip, when the daughter of El Kabir swept clear to defeat Liberalist. Bright Diamond, sent off at ten to one, was Burke's first runner for owner Sheikh Rashid Dalmuk Al Maktoum, and was pleasantly surprised by the outcome. The trainer said, "She was a breeze-up purchase and has been quite laid back at home, to be honest. So we weren't expecting that. I'm not sure how good the race was, but she wasn't stopping and could go up to a mile next time." We'll see how she comes out of this, but something like the Group Two Mayhill Stakes could suit her. The seven furlong contest was for horses who have not raced before and has a history of producing top-level performers, with previous winners including Wu Hadi and Win Silly. Lee said that was a bit unexpected, to be honest, as we were first under the pump at halfway, but she picked up nicely. We thought she was a nice type, but you never know what you're taking on in these new market maidens. Well, this has been this week's racing news, with all the news that is the news from the racing media, and that includes racing TV, the Racing Post, and the Sporting Life. I'm Mike Padden. Thanks for listening, and please join us again next time here on the Racing News. Well, that was Mike Padden with all the racing news. And as we always do, let's have a look to see where we can go racing this weekend. Well, there are seven races on the flat at Doncaster, with a one o'clock start. Seven races on the flat at Newbury, one twenty start. Seven races on the flat at Ripon, with a one forty start. There are seven races over the jumps at Perth, with a two o'clock start. Seven races on the flat at Newmarket. On the July course with a 2:10 start, two races on the flat at the Curra with a 3:30 start, seven races over the jumps at Market Raisin with a 5:06 start, and finally seven races on the flat on the All Weather at Wolverhampton with a 5:46 start. And on Sunday there are seven races on the flat at Chelmsford on the All Weather with a 1:25 start. There are seven races on the flat at Pontefract with a 1.50 start. And there are seven races on the flat at Southall, again on the all-weather, with a 2.08 start. Well, now we're going to hear from uh, another one of the uh, up-and-coming lady jockeys. It's Paige Fuller. And she's going to tell us how she first got started. Obviously, you know, you've got a taste of it now. You've got a taste of winning uh, 28 times or whatever. Uh, you know, is it is it a situation where where you had all your own horses, or did you ride for other people as well? To start with, it was mostly I had a couple of rides for other people, but to start with, you know, having horse at home was a really big leg up, really for mm. me. Um, we didn't, we were quite lucky with the horses we bought. We didn't spend lots of money really on them, um, and got very lucky. And I suppose that's probably actually looking back on my career. I think I, I've had a lot of luck on my side throughout my career, really. Yeah. Um, and I did, you know, I did, I did have in the end quite a few more winners for other people. And um, I actually stayed amateur for a long time. Um, I rode a lot as an amateur under rules too. Um, rode a bit on there's Arab racing as well. I rode yeah. the Arab racehorses too, and rode a few winners on them. So just in a mix and matched and, and when I left school I still didn't think I was going to be a jockey but 
just that I just sort of left school and I, I took a gap year out and was eventually going to uni and I just messed about all through my gap year riding out for trainers. I went over to France and yeah. worked for a trainer over there and you know it was just it was just really good fun and and I just sort of fell into it I suppose I hadn't really even though I loved my race riding and everything it certainly wasn't something that I saw as a as a career path really it just sort of happened which has been the best bit about it I suppose so how um how long have you been professional now then so I, I think I've been professional about three and a half years now yeah yeah and, um, so I, wrote, I probably wrote too long as an analyst to be honest again it was probably a confidence thing um, yeah. more than anything else um, I wish I turned a bit sooner I probably would have made a bit more money but <laughs> you know hindsight's a great thing isn't it uh, <laughs> but I mean you know when you can make comparisons with say for example with Holly Doyle was, you know, I mean she's been so successful but she gets sort of ride after ride after ride you don't have that luxury do you I mean how many how many rides do you get on average sort of thing a week? That that completely depends. I mean, you're actually, this has been quite a quiet, the last two weeks have been quite quiet for me. Um, you know, I probably have sort of three rides the last couple of weeks, which is which is quiet for me. Mm. Um, uh, the week before, I was a lot busier, you know, but I mean, I'd like to, I try to aim to have... Uh, I don't know. It'd be nice. This is a quiet time of year, but on on average, really, I'd like to aim per season to have two hundred and fifty rides. Really. Yeah, um, yeah. So, however that divvies out, <clears throat> great. But you know, some months I could have forty fifty rides. Um, some months I might only have twenty. So it, it it's up and down, but that just depends on the odds you're riding for as well, and um what the weather does which this year the weather hasn't really got in the way um but yeah what what the yards are doing and and yeah. what horses are running so should sort of going going forward in your career i mean how how many uh how many top trainers for example have you got that, that use you i mean obviously i know jo jamie does but have, have you got you've always got a few more than that surely yeah i i, I still I, i've always had my career really riding for probably smaller trainers more than bigger trainers they 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 would be very supportive of me and i've ridden i've ridden winners for them you know it's difficult because as the sort of I, I probably could have tried harder to get into bigger yards but there are always more jockeys in there so there's more pieces of the pie to fight over aren't there yeah you know, quite less yeah. pieces of the pie to fight over um so it's worked quite well for myself um, building up that relationship with Jamie who might not have loads of horses but they do win races so mm. having someone like Jamie supporting me is great that I can you know have my consistency in which days I go in there and ride out and work ride work and school for him um, and Gavin obviously rides first for Jamie but it seems to work quite well me sort of slotting in a second jockey there so whilst it's not restrictive as such obviously you know it's, it works well for me going into some smaller yards to kind of get the bread and butter rides I suppose as he called them and and they're the people that um you hopefully ride winners for and they're a bit more flexible as well and you know you can put the effort in there and and get a real relationship going like you know this summer there's a, a lovely um trainer that I was riding for called Dave Weston and his partner Altana and 
Um, I rode six winners for them. They've only got four horses, and you mm. put in the effort with with people like that as well, and and they get winners. But trying to get six winners, out, if I went into somewhere like I don't know, you know, another big yard, mm. trying to get six winners out of there might be quite difficult yeah. anyway. So it's it, it, there are so many ways to skin a cat, aren't there? And that's just sort of how my career's progressed, I suppose, and it seems to work well at the moment. And you know, we're always always changing and learning, but. Yeah, it's sort of main, mainly the sort of slightly sort of medium, small size trainers that I've just ended up yeah. kind of riding for. And and you know, financially, is it enough to give you a good living? Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah I'm, um, it's it's good, and obviously, you know, for for us, getting a good sponsor and that helps. Yeah. Um, obviously, that those sorts of factors in. Yeah. So. I suppose the more winners and the more high profile you can get, the, the more likely someone is to sponsor you, and that's sort of an added bonus as well. Um, yeah. you, all those bits. You've got your own sponsor, have you? Yes, yes, I'm um, sponsored by SBK. I'm going to pop, pop, pop it. Yeah, no, <laughs> go on. Go on, push it, yeah, um, yeah. Which is, um, yeah, it's a, it's a betting app, which is, um, it's a, uh, Sportsbook market app um, run by Smarkets, mm-hmm. um, and I think it basically runs like Betbet, basically. So it's sort of an actual exchange, yeah, um, for people to to bet on. So they they sponsor me, and if everyone could check that out, that would uh, that yeah. would keep them happy. So. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's fair enough. <laughs> so um, let's talk about the horses now that you've you've ridden. You know, to to are there any particular ones that jump out at you as, as think that one well, that was a great horse, and you know, I had a great victory on that one or what? Yeah, I, but, as you say, there's so there are so many that you build up a relationship over the years, aren't aren't, aren't there? Mm. Um, I've got I've got one. Well, one sat in the field at my parents and my partner's parents and called uh, our three sons who was at Jamie's at just the right point for me that I rode four winners on or something and he was a great little horse and then there was Monbeg Theatre at Jamie's as well who just was the perfect horse at the perfect time I suppose for me it's just when I turned professional um, I won a big Cheltenham handicap on him. Still, still is now. I'm sorry. I won a big Cheltenham handicap at the April meeting on him, and then he went and won the per attempt long distance final at Haydock not long after that. Mm. Um, and the, and he was just a good horse. And sometimes you just need those horses to put your name out there in big races. And just as I was turning professional, it was just the horse I needed to do that. Yeah. Um, and I think I ended up winning four races on him in the end and he, I rode him in the grade two long distance hurdle at Newbury and he just he just tried really hard and he just loved his racing and yeah he was he was brilliant horse for me um and then there was another one called Finnegan's Garden for Zoe Davis the late Zoe Davison he um he was a really lovely horse. I think I won six races on him in the end. And even though they were only sort of naught hundreds, naught one tens around the Plumptons and Fontwells, like yeah. to win six races on a horse is just phenomenal. And he just tried every time. And yeah, he's just a great horse for everyone there. Well, that was Paige Fuller, one of the country's leading lady jockeys. And now we're going to catch up with Richard Phillips as he looks ahead to the York Ebor meeting. Okay. Well, good afternoon, Richard. Thanks for joining us on the show again. York next week, um, the big meeting. 
What can you tell us about it? Well, of course, we've got the Judmont International, which is the big race, really, of the week. And uh, Bayed, obviously, the highest race horse in the world, uh, runs for the first time over a mile and a quarter, which is really interesting. Um, he's by Sea the Stars, and you'd think he'd certainly get the trip. Uh, his relations have got further, certainly. So, But he's been running over a mile up to now, and he's a world-class miler. And you never know, he might be better over a mile and a quarter. So uh, he's got a bit of stiff, in, uh, you know, opposition, Mishrift and uh, Native Trail, who came uh, close to winning the Eclipse. He's running it as well, of course. He's run up in the Guineas as well. So we've basically got a fantastically interesting Group 1 mile and a quarter race, and it's one of the best races of the year, the Judmont International, and often throws up a very good class winner. But Baid, short price favourite to prove that he's definitely as good, if not better, over a mile and a quarter. And we've got a few other group races in, in, the, in the cards coming up to... Um next weekend what, what, well, what else is there we've got, we've got the same day we've got the great voltager which is always a great indicator to the st ledger and um i think i mentioned a couple of weeks ago about a horse called secret state who won at goodwood and won a royal ascot and i thought he was a horse that could possibly win a st ledger and uh he's favorite for the great voltager at present secret state he's a beautifully bred horse by jabawi at a jacking quest who actually won a 1000 guineas but lost it in the steward's room but Secret State is a horse that uh, I saw win over a mile and a quarter and maiden in Nottingham uh, earlier in the season. And that was obviously a, a trip short from his best. And he's a progressive uh, colt that's got a wonderful pedigree. And I think he's probably a Group 1 performer in the making. Mm -hmm. And it'll be interesting to see who gets on in a Group 2 Great Voltage on the same day, which is the opening day at the York meeting, the Ebor Festival. And of course, it culminates with the Great Ebor Handicap. Too early to say what's running in that and to only say what's running a few of the races, but uh, Stradivarius is on target for, uh, for running there. But the first day is really all about the Judd International and the Great Voltager. They're two great races, and uh, Baid and Secret State, pretty short price favourites for both. Um, Going to put your neck out? I mean, you can't really see anything beating Baid, can you? No, I can't really, but... Um, Alan Kerr, who came second, uh, I think, in the race last year, is a big price at 20 to 1. I think he could run well. But having said that, Boyd is running over a mile a quarter for the first time. And a lot of old sages would say, look, he's got the form over a mile. Um, stepping up in trip, a different uh, variant would be the time to take him on. But uh, I can't see anything taking him on. I think when it comes to a race like that, um, you've really just got to, you know, glory in how good the horses are. And Boyd is a horse a race to watch and, and Bayed is a horse to watch you'll be retiring at the end of the season I think you just got to enjoy him yeah quite absolutely um, what about the AFCOM state group 3 the, the earlier race 225 well yeah that's always been a quite a good um, race for, for youngsters as it were but too early to say who might win that one in the old Acom I'm afraid but um, it's it's always an indicator to um, to you know a promising type in the in the future, but uh, too early to say you might win that one. I think. Okay, and have you picked up on anything else that might leave a good touch at, um, at York well, over the week? Well, that, well, York basically is always a great meeting, and uh, William Haggis always targets a few horses. He Yorkshire himself, and always looks at the William Haggis horses, as it were, in the handicap. So I think he targets them quite uh, quite strategically. Put it like that. And Baid, of course, he trains as well. But there'll be horses there that have been hiding a light under a bushel, as it were, so I would have thought that um, it would be 
uh, fairly prudent to look at the William Haggis horses running at York next week. But it's always a great meeting. And uh, as I say, at this stage, it's too early to say um, who's running and who's not. But um, but I think William Haggis, they, they're in good form, that old um, yard at present. And he loves York meeting. He loves a Yorkshire meeting in general. He loves going up there and challenging them. And this... this um, meeting, the e-board meeting is one he's always targeted so it'll be interesting to see how they get on but um, yeah, other than that, I, I think it's very open stuff Do you think the uh, the hot weather and the hard going is going to, you know have much of an effect up there? Well, I think they're, they're washing away as it were and even um, the Naves Mire is actually built on a mire as it were so um, it, it's land that couldn't be farmed in the past, so they've done an incredible job, York is an independently owned racetrack and they put all their profits back into making an even better track. A lot of prize money up at York, and also a lot of um, effort goes into the ground at York as well. So I think that uh, you'll find, on the whole, the ground will be great. There'll be great grass covering, but inevitably it won't be on the soft side, but there'll be watering to make it safe. OK, Richard, well, that's fine. Thank you very much for that. It gives us a, a breakdown on the York meeting, which we'll all be looking forward to. And... Uh, Thanks for joining us, and uh, hopefully we can catch up with you again next week. Great. Super, Adrian. Yeah, let's hope we see some cracking performances, but by he's the horse to really save us for the week. Yeah. OK, then, Richard, thank you very much indeed. Speak to you next week. Cheers, Adrian. Thank you. Bye-bye. Well, that was Richard Phillips, our flat racing expert, uh, looking ahead to York next week and the Ebor meeting and in particular the Judmont International. So thank you to Richard, we'll speak to you next week. Now we're going to catch up with Dave Wilson at Harlequin Racing. Okay, well good afternoon David, how are you today? Nice and hot I expect. Yes mate, uh, having a nice day out in the sunshine, got the selections ready for Saturday for you. Uh, the only thing we don't know is how these horses are going to perform in this heat extreme that we're going to get a weekend again. So yeah. uh, we just have to uh, take it very steady, small bets, and uh, if you've got to have a gamble, well, have a little little flutter, but don't get too carried away because it's like everything. If you want to go for a run in this weather, you don't know how far you want to run, and the horses will be exactly the same. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, fair comment. A bit of a warning. Yeah. So we're going to have a look at Newbury for the for Saturday for you so we're going to start off there with the 120 race and the horse that we like in this one is General Lee now we went with this fella at Glorious Goodwood but a little bit of difference this time he's got a different jockey on board he's got Mohamed Tabati on board who's a £7 claimer and he's still trained by Paul Cole now as I say we backed him last week uh, Glorious Goodwood and he never got a run in the race he, every time he went to go for something he got sort of stopped so his race was virtually over and they went across the winning line and he did a chance to get into it now he's got his ideal trip and his ideal going and he's been dropped a pound by the handicapper plus he's got seven pound extra claim as well with a jockey on board so he's very well in at the weights and he's priced up at eight to one with bet 365 so we're going to start the day off with an each way bet on general lee okay moving down to the second race now we'll give a two-year-old warning out here two-year-olds run very well and they don't always run to form and we like the chances of Will Buick's mount here, uh, Victory Dance trained by Charlie Appleby he's slightly odds on at the moment but he won on his debut and he was beaten a neck by Isaac Shelby in the group two up at the market 
next time out. And he was only beaten in a photo finish. It was very, very close. Uh, his form looks the strongest in the race. As I say, he's slightly odds on at the moment. It's a two-year-old race, so be very warned. And uh, just take that race as, as it comes, basically. OK, fair enough. Message received. Moving down to the two thirty, and then another warning here. There's only five runners in this race. They've had 16 races between them this season, and only one of them's won. <laughs> so they're, they're not the most consistent bunch of horses in the next race. And uh, we've picked one out, Universal Order. He's going to be ridden by Andrea Zini and trained by David Simcock. He's only had three runs in the past 602 days. So compared to the 16 runs that the whole race have had in this season, he's very underachieving in, in the amount of runs and time he's spent on the racetrack. Now, he has got winning form on good to firm, and the trip's ideal for him as well. He's priced up at 5-1 with Ladbrokes, and I suggest a small each-way bet on him there. But as I say, like... When you get 16 runs between the whole field and there's only one winner between them, it's uh, not a race that I want to be putting more than 50 pence on, personally. Right up, fair enough. Moving down to the 3 o'clock race, uh, a horse that we backed a couple of times last year, 5,000 to 1, Andrew Baldwin's charge. Uh, it's going to be ridden by David Probert. Now, he, he had some fantastic form in 2020. He beat the likes of uh, Black Rod, and he run St. Mark's Basilica, who's probably the highest-rated horse in the last couple of years, uh, been in training. He was only four and a half lengths behind that. As I say, he had a very, very poor season in 2021. He didn't pick his hooves up at all. But last time out, they changed his tactics from being a front-runner to coming from off the pace at Salisbury. And he only got beat a short head by a long, long odds-on shot. So uh, I've got a feeling 5,000 to one's going to step up from... That performance and he's priced up at the moment with seven to two with Ladbrooks, so we're going to give him a chance in that three o'clock race. So five thousand to one, seven to two with Ladbrooks in that three o'clock race. I think I know the next one already. You don't. That's the whole point. Ah, ah. <laughs> what's what's he done to upset you then? Three thirty-five. The horse that we're going for in this race is Pogo. Kim mm. Schumacher taking a ride for Charlie Hills. Now, obviously. Chindit's one of our favourite horses of all time, and we back him as a regular thing. And he's had a very, very hard season this year. He's had quite a few runs, he's got the heat to contend with, and he's got to give weight to all of his other horses in the race as well. I think it's a little bit above him having to give a weight. I think he's probably the best horse in the race, but I can't see him conceding weight to the likes of Pogo and that. Now, Pogo was... He's won two of his last three races, and he was only beaten half a length by Sandrine in the Lennox Stakes last time out. Now, in receipt of weight from Chindit, I think Pogo's got a far superior chance. So we're going to be having a bet on Pogo, and he's priced up at roughly 4-1 to one with Ladbrokes at the moment. And not saying Chindit's not going to be running a bad race, but I just think he's had a tough season, and as I said, he's got to give the weight away, and he's got the heat to contend with, and all the other conditions that go with it. So uh, we're just going to swerve Chindit this week and go with Pogo. I bet he wins. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> glory, it'll be, won't it? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, moving down to the 4-10 race, another dodgy race here. A couple of them haven't run, and... Uh, 
the one that we're going to pick out is Susie's Shoes. Charlie Bishop and Eve Johnson-Houghton take uh, honours of training this one and riding it. It is a maiden. It's had four or five runs. It's never won a race. But it has got some very good form where it's been beat. It was fourth beaten three quarters of a length in a good class two race. And then over this track, it was in a 10 furlong race and it came third, only beaten three and three quarter lengths. Now, it is a very, very poor race. Susie's Shoes is priced up at nine to four. And the maximum bet I'd be looking to have on her would probably be 90p to win four, uh, 40p to win 90p. It's not a race that I'd want to be investing any money in. So just take okay. heed of that. And that's Susie's Shoes in four ten. Okay. Now, the reason I'm probably going to Newbury on Saturday is the 4.45 race. There's a horse in there called Dino Velvet. Georgia King takes a ride for her father, Alan King, and she's a five-pound claimer. Now, this horse I know full well has been working with one horse that I've got shares in, and they've been working very, very closely and very, very well. And the horse that I've got shares in is a lot higher rated than... Uh, what this one is to come into this race now as we say a horse that's running over fences and chases and that gets a rating off the handicap and to put them back to a flat rating you subtract 40 off the handicap now he's rated 125 over the chase courses Dino Velvet so that drops him down to being an 85 runner on the flat but in fact he's actually got a handicap of 74 only Plus, the jockey's getting £5 allowance. He's running off of a handicap mark of 69. Now, there's no prices up to get a bet on at the present, but he, he is 7 or 1 in the paper, so I suggest having a nice each-way bet on there. But I've got a funny feeling this one might be subject to a bit of a gamble from uh, a lot of people that are in the know about him and uh, notice that his handicap rating is well below what it should be. So that's Dino Velvet in the last race at Okay then, David, thank you very much for that. Uh, it's going to be a warm one again. I hope uh, the going is not going to interrupt with the chances of some of the horses, but I suppose inevitably it might. Yeah, it's very strange because when you go to these hot countries, they race in the evening to take the heat out of the temperature for the horses. But over here, they've known about this heat wave coming in. They've known it's going to be 35 plus degrees on Saturday. And they haven't bothered changing the times of the races because the bookmakers are just really little... She can bring that out. And it's just ridiculous that they've not taken into consideration animal welfare. Like, we, I race pigeons, as you know. We've had all our races cancelled because of the heat. It's unfair to race the pigeons in that heat. Mm. So why have the horse racing or forest not taken the same sort of action and put four or five hours onto the times of the race meetings and still raced them, but raced them a late afternoon and evening sort of time. It's yeah. Well, uh, and again, you wouldn't have anyone running around the batting shops all day, would you, if they had all the racing off? So. Uh, it's all about money. All about money. Well, I hope you have a, a successful day or even a more successful day than we had at uh, Salisbury yesterday. Um, so uh, thanks for joining us today and we'll speak to you next week, Dave. Lovely. Cheers, mate. Speak to you then. Thank you very much. Well, now it's time to catch up with the cheeky chappy. It's Colin Brown and he's getting all set for a busy weekend. Hi, Colin. How's it going? Yeah, good. Thanks very much indeed. Hi, listeners. Hope you're all well and enjoying the sunny, beautiful weather. Yeah. Um, the worst thing here, they, they, I mean, de we're definitely in the climate change, so, you know, everybody's got to change their ways a little bit. But, 
you know, living out in the old countryside, which a lot of us do, you know, so, so many fields have been going, yeah. going up in flames recently. Yeah. And, um, and you know, uh, if any of you ever switch on the farming program at some 20 to 6, that's when I wake up in the morning, 20 to 6. That's like middle of the night for you, Aidy. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. I put on the farming program, there's a, a lady on this morning from near Marlborough whose field is on fire as they were um, harvesting the other day. And because Vodafone is so efficient and charges all about 100 quid a month for our phones, there's no service. So she couldn't get all the fire brigade for three quarters now, so the whole field went up. Unbelievable, isn't it, really? Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, no, it's very, very hot and sticky for some of us. Uh -huh. I don't mind it personally, but, um, you know, it's not great. But for the horses, well, because horses have got big bodies, then they throw water over and bring down their temperature very quickly and their heart rate. And, um, you know, unless it's like 38, 40, horses seem to be okay in the sunshine. So, and yeah, enough of that. I suppose we better start and try and give your listeners a few winners. Maybe Doncaster, shall we? Okay, let's start at Doncaster then. Okay, the 206. Yep. Uh, I was at Goodwood the other day and there was a very nice horse of um, Mark Johnson's running. There was a bit of money for it and it was called Miss Dynamic. It got beat and it got beaten 13 lengths at the end, but they had Buick on it, so I obviously thought a bit of it. That's why they put on one of the top boys. And um, it's by Cracksman, who, of course, won the derby. Um, I, I think that'll win. Miss Dynamic. It looked a little bit green. It looked like it just needed to run. So I think Miss Dynamic is the one to be on in, uh -huh. the, in the 206 okay. at Doncaster. Moving on. There's... They are quite small fields, I'll be honest. They are quite small fields. But um, moving on to the next race, um, which is the 241. Uh, I think Clive Cox might win this. He's got a horse in it um, for Jeff Smith. He bred this one, Jeff. It's called Rum Cocktail. I bet you've had a few of those in your time, haven't you? That's in the 241 at Doncaster. Do you, do you drink rum, um, Adrian? Not, as, not often, no. Usually vodka with me. Is it? Yeah, so yeah. no one can smell it on your breath, I suppose, is that right? <laughs> well, who knows? <laughs> Most people don't get close enough who to that. Who knows? No, I don't think they do. Um, <laughs> I didn't mean it like that. <laughs> Sounded like I did, didn't it? But I didn't. Uh, right, uh, right, here we go. We are now on to the 348. That's 348 at Doncaster. Um, and quite an interesting horse here. Um, from the David O'Meara yard. He's had a few runs in France. First run for David, it's called Kalganoff. And that's number three in the 348 at Doncaster. I think that's got a big, big chance. Right, let's move on to another race meeting. We've got plenty of them. Let's have a little look at market raising because the jumping season is... Um, you know, they've had a couple of weeks off and now they're cracking away again. But, you know, on this ground and hot weather and everything, just have to be careful with the jumpers. But there's some um, quite good jumping off of the market race. You know, they put on a fair bit of prize money up there and it's a couple of really competitive races. Um, and one of them here that ran really well there last about perhaps in July is a horse that runs in the 610. 
and it's called Go As You Please, and it's trained by John Joe O'Neill. No, it's not. It's trained by Paul Weber, owned by McManus. It was second up here in a chase um, a little while ago off a 97. It runs off a 97 again. And I say that would win. It's in the 610 market raisin. Number three, go as you please. There's quite a few runners up at market raisin, to be honest. Um, I think up the north, you know, we've had a little bit of rain, haven't we? And we've had a little bit of rain in West Wales, I believe. And also, um, we're expecting some on Monday, they tell me. So, that's quite good news for a gardener, as I'd say, wouldn't you? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Are you much of a gardener, Adrian? No, my wife is, but I'm not. Why is that, then? I can't imagine, really. She's just so good at it, oh. that, you know, why, why would I interrupt her? Yeah, no point in you interrupting, is there, really, when she's no. good at it? No, no, she's Now, I'll tell you where they... Oh, that's good, that's good. I'll tell you where they do put up good prize money. It's up in Scotland. And um, up in Scotland, there's uh, oh, yeah, there it is. Up at Scotland, uh, at Perth, there's a maiden hurdle, the first race on the day. I tell you what, a lot of them ain't much good. But there's one that will win it, and it's come over from Ireland. It was third here the other day. It's called Say You and Say Me. That's in the two o'clock at Perth. And I think that will win. It's trained by Gordon Elliott and um, ridden by Sean Bowen, who's ridden about. 50 winners this year, I think, and having a great season. And I would say, say you, say me, or win the two o'clock. Lionel Richie, son. Uh, or was it the Commodores? It's one uh, or the other. Oh, you're quite good. Have you ever been on the music quiz? No, I haven't, but uh, I just happened to have a few in useless in bits of information in me, and that's one of them. Well, that's good. But I tell you what, you should be on the music quiz with, um, what's he called, Ken Bruce. Yeah, you reckon, do you? Well, I do, yeah, because you're very good at music. And, and then you can sort of chat them up to do sort of like a, a light life, like, you know, down the life of Ken Bruce or something like that. would be yeah. really interesting for yeah. all your listeners. Wouldn't it ever? Yeah, you're right. You're right. Fascinating. Right, on to the um, five, uh, 15.05, which is three, uh, five minutes past three, uh, 3.05 at Perth. And yeah. there's a horse called Copper Well. That'll win. It's again trained by uh, Gordon Elliott and ridden by Sean Bowen. And uh, I'd be surprised if that didn't win. And going to the next race at 3.40, um, there's what's called Getaway Goldie. And you know what? All the, I looked through the form. I've had a good look at them. All these horses of Gordon Elliott's. I think that is a treble. The Gordon Elliott treble ends in Getaway Goldie in the 3.40 at Perth. Um, that's what I reckon for the weekend. Okay, fair enough. Over there. Let's go flat racing again. <clears throat> and we'll go to Newmarket for the 2.45. That's what, 14.45, but 2.45 that is. Yeah. And um, there's a horse, uh, there's a, well, a couple of okay horses running here. Um, 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 a nice first time out two-year-old that's trained by Mark Johnson. Um and it's, uh, it's called Downtown Dubai. But I can tell you, I'm not sure it will be Mischief Magic because that horse looked almost a good thing if there ever were one at uh, Goodwood the other day. And so I think that's the forecast. Mischief Magic to beat Downtown Dubai. 
in the 245 at Newmarket on Saturday. Okay. And then we've got a grey horse handicap, and this is for grey horses. So if you're pink and blue, black, brown, um, no, Mary, if you're uh, listening in, you've got to be a grey horse. And as Mary knows, I was very lucky on a very good grey horse, wasn't I? One upon a time, Desert Orchid. But you know, funnily enough, back in my career, Adia and Mary, we'll speak to her as well, I rode a lot of really good grey horses. I rode one for a guy. Do you ever remember a trainer, probably too young, uh, called Les Kennard? Do you remember him? Yeah, I do. He trained down this way somewhere, didn't he? Taunton or somewhere like that? He, Bishop's Lydiard. Yeah, well, that's not far from Taunton. No. And he had a good horse. He had a few good horses, but I had a very good horse that some went and went one at Cheltenham when they had a good race called Two Coppers. And, um, yeah, he had some real good horses. But this race, is, Mary, it's for grey horses. I thought um, you were going to say you got a, you got accosted by two coppers. Well, that's another story. Yeah, but we won't tell that one on air. I don't think do you. No, best not. Best not. We'll give that one a miss. Um, yeah, two coppers. And yeah, this grey horse race. I want to find the winner of this grey horse race, and I think the horse that could win it is the horse that's coming down the handicap a little bit. Um, it's a horse that's trained quite a way up the country and it's trained by where is it? Wentworth Ford it's called, trained by Mark Johnson and ridden by my old mate Franny Norton so I reckon that's got a good each way chance about 10 to 1 OK uh, we've got a Phillies Nursery Ooh, gosh some quite difficult races here now me, um, but I think there's a horse that can win this. A maiden at uh, 353. It's the Phillies maiden, uh, nursery, should I think say? <clears throat> it's called Mimi. It's trained by Richard Hannon and by a very fast horse called Acclamation. And it was fifth to Miss USA, and then beat Rose Prick at Salisbury the other day. You might have been there, but you're probably back to the TVs drinking vodka and yeah, not probably. Some yeah, 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 probably. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. It's, it's called Mimi, uh, Meh Me, number three, in the 1553, that's 353, at Newmarket, and I think that'll win. Okay. Right, on to Newbury. <clears throat> very good race at Newbury on Saturday. Well, I say very good, pretty good. It's got the Jeffrey Freer Group 3, and we've got a couple of big handicaps, Hungerford Stakes. Etc. Etc. The Denford Stakes. So some good racing here. Victory Dance probably should win the Denford Stakes at 155. It's a horse that's trained by Appleby. Um, it was second in the oh big race at Newmarket. Isaac Shelby the other day was only beaten in it ahead. I think yeah, it was second in the superlative and probably. Should win. And Manchester Queen's got a runner in it. As well. what, what was it called? Sorry, it. I've lost my internet, so you better tell me. Vi oh, Vic Victory Dance in the 155 at Newbury, the Denver States. Right, okay. Um, I think, I th yeah, I think it should win. Um, and, and it's, uh, yeah, it's a uh, horse called Candle of Hope, is also um, in of Her Majesty of the Queen's. And I think that will go quite well. In fact, I'm going to give you the tricast in the race, okay? So in the 155 Denver Stakes at Newbury, 
The winner is number two, Victory Dance, from number three, Candle of Hope, four to one, from number four, Sight Door, 25 to one. Put them in a combination forecast and hope that the 25 to one shot wins. It'll pay a lot of money. Okay, we'll give it a try. Give it a go. We got the uh, the um, Jeffrey Freer group shape group race at uh, two thirty. There's a horse called Zachariah. That's the favourite here. Second to do Doville Legend. That was at Newmarket last time out. But it's not just a one horse race. I would say um, you got horses in it like Universal Order have been running well and good races this year. Holly Doyle riding against her husband, Tom Marquand here, rides a horse that um, ran, uh, has run some massive races uh, in the past, one at Doha in the winter, um, a local Group 1 race, the Emir Trophy, and uh, that's called Outbox, and that's trained by Archie Watson, and that one I don't think will be too far away. But um, it's an interesting little race. But I'm going to go outbox to win the 2.30, the Jeffrey Freer Stakes at Newbury um, the weekend Righty-o. on Saturday. Rightio, he says. Let's have a look. Where are we? Jumbi. Uh, next race is ooh, the Hunger of the State 7 furlong race. Looks, looks quite tough, really. There's a horse that wasn't disgraced at Royal Ascot. It's trained by Haggis. And I think it's pretty good, actually. It did win at Newbury in the spring. It won the Carnarvon Stakes. So this race It's called Tiber Flow. And that horse runs uh, in the 3.35 Hunger Stakes at Newbury on Saturday, um, Adrian. And that is your lot, listeners. That's all my tips for Saturday. OK, Colin. Thank you very much for that. I hope there's some winners in there. And, well, uh, never know, yeah. No. Well, I'm sure we'll have the uh, racing on the telly at the cricket club on Saturday, so I can sort of split between cricket and racing, so I should be okay. Yeah. You're mad keen on cricket. Are you a good cricketer yourself? No, nah, rubbish. Absolutely rubbish, but, you know, my my two boys aren't why too you, bad. Why do you follow cricket, then? Well, because it's a boring game, isn't it? When you live in a village, which has only got a population of about 200... But you've got one of the best village club, village cricket clubs in the country. You tend to get sort of attracted to it. Do you know what I mean? Oh, I see. That's a bit like you know supporting Manchester United because they're the best team in the country. When like for Alex Ferguson's training them, is it? Mm. That is the thing. Well, do you know, yeah, um, Manchester, how are Manchester United, United doing? Terrible at the moment, but you know I've supported them since 1957, and I'm not going to stop now. So, you know, you just... a long, long time. It is indeed. And we've had some great days. Just got a few dodgy ones at the moment, but I'm sure we'll come back. So, I'll tell you a quick story. I'll tell you a quick story. One of my sons, Charlie Brown, um, was a mascot for Man U once. So, obviously, his mum and uh, his brothers, Freddie and um, Oliver, who supports Tottenham, but Freddie supports Man U, came up with us to go to the uh you know to watch him being the mascot and everything yeah and ollie ollie my eldest son must have been about oh i suppose he was about 18 probably 17 18. Mm-hmm. so you know at that age where you know don't want to be embarrassed or anything like that you know by your dad or your mum all that sort of thing so 
anyhow, we go up to Manchester. We we have a nice um, you know, a nice box to go to, a bit of hospitality, go meet the players in the um, dressing room and everything. Anyhow, we're at Man U and here we are. Anyhow, I'm steaming on around the corner with the boys and family and whatever. And I bump into Eric Cantona, like near, well, wouldn't wouldn't have knocked him over, but I did bang into him a little bit yeah. carelessly and sort of thing you do, you know, like when you're in a shopping mall and you bash it on someone. I hope you and got Marty, down on your knees and begged for forgiveness from the king. Well, yeah, I mean, exactly. That's what all the boys thought, you see, and they were so embarrassed that Dad mm. had done that. Yeah. Anyhow, I sort of said sorry, Eric, or what something I didn't even know who it was really. Anyhow. I come on round the next corner, you see, and uh, Sir Alex Ferguson's walking towards me, uh, towards us as a family, and uh, Ollie has gone, oh, my God, let's hope Dad doesn't walk into him. And as I just approach him, he goes, oh, hi, Colin, how are you? Nice to see you here. What are you doing here? I said, oh, my son's is Charlie Brown. He's a, you know, he's a mascot. So then all of a sudden, my son's like, for me being an idiot, all of a sudden, he's like, ain't a Alex Ferguson knows Dad by his first name, so I got away with it. Well, well I'm glad you did. You know, I mean, but you, you know, to to knock Eric down, that is nice. You know, you're lucky he didn't jump up and do his kung fu kick on you. I know he he was a brilliant player, wasn't he? Oh, excellent, absolutely brilliant. Yeah, yeah. But what about yeah. Ryan Giggs? What was he like in the ball? Well, he was very good. You can't say he wasn't. You know, whether he was uh, very good at other things is open to debate. But uh, in terms of football, <laughs> he's your boy, I tell you. No problem at all. Brilliant. Anyhow, listeners, I hope you've enjoyed our uh, racing programme, okay. Fair football and um, a bit of amusing tales, maybe, for some of you. Anyhow. Yeah, I'm sure everybody would be absolutely fascinated to hear that you actually bumped into Eric Cantona and knocked him down. I mean, that's that's, that's going to be a <laughs> rake. Knock him down. Uh, well, hey, I didn't you know. say I knocked him down. I, I, what I was waiting for you to be impressed that Alex Ferguson actually knew who I was, but you were impressed with him. Well, yeah, but you ruined it all by knocking into Eric Ferguson, uh, Eric Cantona. Yeah, so that, you, know, you can't you can't win them all. I, I just you know I think it's, it, it's it's not going to be a ratings winner. I don't think. Uh, I'm sorry about that, but you know that happened first. Yeah, but that happened first when I bumped in there, didn't it? Yeah, well, you know, we, we'll see how many people download the the podcast to listen to this fascinating story, okay? Yeah, that's a story. <laughs> <laughs> what, there a, we go. what a prat. On that, <clears throat> on that note, take it easy. And um, we'll speak to all your lovely listeners again next week. And Mary, take it easy. Thank you, Colin. It's been a pleasure. We'll speak to you soon. Cheers, boy. Bye. 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 Well, that was Colin Brown, and that brings to an end this week's edition of The Racing Show. Please join us again next week, same time, same station, and have a great weekend racing. <laughs>